Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host Samuel Davies. Many of us have taken part or even organised challenge events from Land's End to John O'Groat cycling events to running the Virgin Money London Marathon. But the ongoing challenge to charities is finding challenge fundraising events that are both profitable and meet the needs of their funding and awareness raising objectives. Many charities therefore focus on buying places in existing challenge events. But for those creating their own successful challenge event, there can be huge benefits in both developing a new audience and generating serious income for their cause. So in this episode, Charity Chat producers Dawn Ballard and Vicky Luck speak with Ed Jackson about setting up a highly successful and novel virtual event, Journey to the Centre of the Eye. Here they are. Hi, so we're here today um, interviewing Ed Jackson from Fight for Sight on virtual events. So I'm here with Vicky. Hello. <laughs> and with Ed. Hello. So Ed, what's your background? How have you got into kind of events fundraising and into in virtual events as something new and exciting? Yeah, I mean, I've been in event fundraising now for the best part of, I think, goodness, five, six years. I think I've always, always sort of had a passion for charity work. Initially, sort of, I found myself sort of doing the gap year thing, traveling, and actually ended up doing sort of working for NGOs when I was abroad and really fell into it that way. Um, went on to university, loved that finished university came out and ended up doing conference and banqueting work wow so that okay. was my first foray into like special events but with nothing to do with charity I've always loved sports I then sort of reevaluated back to university anthropology of development came back out and sort of natural progression was into events and I think it's safe to say I've loved it since. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still smiling. So exactly it's good. important I and think. So in your five years of events they have progressed from Kind of, I mean, now with all the virtual stuff, it's kind of taking over, but how did you start within events? Obviously, it probably wasn't virtual to start with. Certainly not, certainly not. And that trend, as you said, it is only sort of last year, last couple of years. When I started out, it was very much um, the real world, sort of traditional kind of style events. You've got your 5Ks, 10Ks. Actually, one of my first experiences was organising a 10K mass participation event. Okay. And I absolutely loved that. Sort of, you get a very different feel between the two events, but... As to the times gone by, I think actually charities is a competitive market space. Absolutely. <laughs> You're always looking to sort of reach new people, see what you can do, and actually you need to be innovative. Yeah. And I think virtual events have allowed charities to try something different. And actually there's even different scope within virtual events. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Because a lot of charities do 10Ks, 5Ks, like that's kind of standard, do the colour runs and things. And it's kind of like, well, actually the same types of events are happening, but virtual now gives you this breadth where you really can kind of go for a different angle. And I know, obviously, your, your event you've kind of been involved with is so connected to your supporters and your cause. And I think that's what's really nice and interesting about it. So, so tell us more about that. So when we looked at a virtual event, and I think it's probably easier for me to say why we decided upon it first, and the main reason was we did a bit of evaluation of where we were as an organisation. Yeah. So we did sort of a bit of audience analysis, but also um, our supporter profiling as well, to actually see 
what the average gifts are or were coming out from our supporter groups, but also what type of things they were interested in. And we at Fight for Sight have a very old demographic of supporters, and I think about 70% of our supporter base is over 75. Now, as an events and community fundraising manager, it's quite hard to get 75 year olds doing um, 10k marathons. runs and marathons. Yeah, a little bit tricky. A little bit tricky. Only for some, though. Yeah, oh no, actually, some of the best fundraisers I've had have been sort of 75 year olds sort of half marathon runners. So I'm not, don't knock them. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But something a little bit more accessible to a more majority of people to fit your demographic would be ideal. Yeah. And that was it. And we, we looked at sort of actually which age groups were giving the most sort of annually as well. And interestingly, we found that 20 to 35 year olds, that was the demographic that were giving the largest annual gift. So for us that was that was unique, but also they only made up five percent of our supporter base. So actually our most sort of biggest givers in terms of average yeah. gift were so tiny that we needed a product to try and bring more in yeah. more than anything and to try and engage with new supporters and so our reason for developing the virtual event was very much pipeline generation right, it was okay. a way of actually how can we tell people more about us as a charity how can we actually increase awareness yes. of us as a charity and what we did is we coincide the race window for our virtual event around National Eye Health Week so we had a hook really okay, to hang brilliant, it on. Yeah. That was quite nice. That was quite nice. And so it was a bit sort of twofold really. One okay. sort of increasing audience yeah. in that twenty to thirty-five year old because we realised actually we need to be doing more here to grow the portfolio. But also as a charity we need to speak about more what we're doing but we also need an event that appeals to them sure so a lot of traditional i say traditional virtual events which sounds bizarre yes. because they've only been around for what a couple, couple of years. years but they are to the, the way where actually there's a month-long cause week isn't yeah the cause yeah, yeah the cause week where it is either take 10 10 thousand steps with every day within that week yeah. or try and walk a hundred kilometers within sort of a couple of months period sure. sort of using a fitness watch or yeah. something like that which is a great way and sort of low sort of level way to get people involved yeah. what we really wanted to do with ours is actually do something that could tell supporters tell um, prospective supporters a bit more about our cause okay. as well and I'd heard about actually British Science Association, and so I'm not going to say I'm the trailblazer here. It was British, yeah, yeah unfortunately. Um, so yeah, kudos to them. So, um, but I heard that they'd done a really fascinating virtual event around um, the, yeah, around run the solar system, around um, the British Science Week, and what it was was taking people from a journey from the sun out to the um, edge of our solar system. Amazing. And I thought that's a great way of being able to explain science. They reached loads of new people doing that. And actually, for us, that was what was key, to reach people in a fun and exciting yeah. way. And so also really creative as well. It is not like your 5Ks, 10Ks. I think there is something about building that storyboard, sort of deeper engagement there that you can actually capture within the virtual event and that space. Yeah, and I think virtual events offer that flexibility. They really do. And so ours was an audio-enhanced 10K option. Okay. Meaning, <laughs> and honestly, I will say, actually trying to explain what the event was, was the biggest hurdle to making it actually sort of get so by in. that's a really good point. What is a virtual event? A virtual event is something that you can do basically without the barriers to entry. So you can do it at any place. 
anytime. A lot of the time they are through an app or through using um, technology. So it's really utilizing technology is growing fast. Everyone's aware of that. And actually what virtual events are doing is really tapping into that new technology and going, actually, how can we now engage with um, supporters, potential donors, in different ways? Yeah. And how keeping we... up with that technology. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's key. That's yeah. key. And I think sometimes in the charity sector, we can be a bit slow to respond yeah. to technological changes. Here, I think we've done quite well. Yeah, I think we're really on it. I think it's amazing kind of what has happened. I mean, I've seen some really interesting, um, like when the Pokemon Go trend was up, a couple of charities immediately were like, Ooh. I'll come and do a sponsored walk and you can collect Pokemon. Pokemon on your way and I was like to be able to react that quickly is amazing but we need like to that. don't we yeah. to, to keep our kind of but with technology I've got it moves so fast I mean just crazy and so the way our event worked was an individual would go online and they would enter our event which was called I haven't even said the name of it yet so no. I realize I've got this so which was dun, called dun, dun. <laughs> Journey to the Centre of the Eye. Nice! So, <laughs> what we really wanted to do is something that we could have a bit of fun with. Right. Let our supporters have a bit of fun with. And the whole premise was we would allow them to go on a journey from outside the eye, shrink them down to the size of a photon. Right. And this was all done through the audio. So we would sort of speak to them through the app. And the app is plugging in headphones. Yeah. And then as they would run, the audio would progress. So as you run a kilometre, or as you run a kilometre and a half, another bit of audio jumps into your story, jumps in through the headphones, and basically brings you on in the story. So as you run, you unlock more of the story. Oh, I like it. You, so the story progresses as you go. And in many ways, the way I sort of try to describe it is, if you remember those books you had as a kid, and I'm speaking as a man who was born in the 80s here, are those adventure books where you kind of put an option and yeah. you, it says go to page 52 or go, yeah. that is sort of basically it and you, you sort of are there the further you move the right. more you unlock of your adventure brilliant and so until you get to 10k when it culminates in you completing your challenge right so the way we did it was to take them from being this tiny photon at the beginning into the eye and then get them squelching through the vitreous humour wow using <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> in some ways we wanted to be graphic though yeah. we, we realized like actually to get get our point across to really sort of talk about eye health yeah. we can't sort of shy away no, from these things let's, let's go straight in and make yeah. it happen and make it really tangible and, and hopefully memorable as well yeah. something a bit different yeah and i think actually that's key it is memorable because like i said we wanted to build a pipeline of supporters as well a lot of the narration actually within the story we didn't talk too heavily about Fight for Sight okay. because we realised that it was actually an adventure we were taking. Okay. And what we called it, one of our strap line was a massive adventure on a very small scale. Nice. And so really that was what we really wanted to cling to, that sense of adventure, that sense of exploration, of discovering something new with us. So then the hope that they'll come back to us and go, actually, that was incredible. Of course we spoke about the importance of our objectives as a charity, but we only mentioned it sort of once where we sort of got really onto the core message. The rest of it was 
I'd like to think nicely wheedled in. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, it, it, it's so connected to your cause because it's about eye health, because they're learning. So you're getting that in, but obviously, yeah, you want to hook it onto the charity as a, as a whole as well, because that would be a missed opportunity not to. But I mean, what they're really learning from the whole thing is you guys are kind of cool and quirky and it's interesting. And it's definitely something to tell your friends about, isn't it? It's an experience, and, yeah. you know, experiential things are definitely the way forward in, in so many terms. And I think actually you touched upon it there, the friendship piece, telling your friends, sure. that's something that we were really wanting to get involved. It's the, the social feel, the yeah. demographic, <laughs> we wanted, and the great way with it was it created shareable material at the end, so there was an, an option for them to then put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, so they really get it that way, but also to really sort of play around with it, they could show a map of their walk or their run, because okay. the nature of it meant that people didn't have to run our race, they could walk it, they could do it on a bike. Somebody even spoke about doing it on a horseback. Wow. So, which would have been possible because it tracks you with GPS, okay. so they could have done it that yeah, way. Yeah, hop, skip, jump yeah. backwards. They I would mean, have had gosh. a very quick time. <laughs> <Yeah. but laughs> oh, that's amazing. And in regard to like the statistics and kind of how you've worked that out, as an event fundraiser, did you find the statistics when you were profiling your supporters, did it feel different to what you were expecting? Because I think when I was a fundraiser, I just remember being like, I really like this event and working that and I feel like that has a good return but actually when I number crunched the data sort of sent me in a different direction and, and I think that it's so important as fundraisers to use that data to inform decisions rather than be heart based which a lot of us are. <laughs> so. Yeah and I think that's really key. Uh, initially sort of when we did the audience profiling and sort of really looking at our wider demographic we were quite open with what we were going to go with. Okay. Um, but as a small charity, we were also constrained. Constrained financially, I think, as well. And we had sort of a historic event, which was called the Carrots Night Walk, which actually did wonderfully, brought in sort of good amounts of money for the organization over a number of years. But it took up the whole charity's sort of workforce time to deliver. And it was decided that actually sort of too much time and energy sort of from the charity was going into that delivery and that, that just wouldn't be sustainable in the long run, which is fine. So we needed to look at something new, really. Yeah. Always reticent with some, a new idea and actually trying to present a new idea to board, to sort of senior management, without necessarily having hard and fast figures sure. about what you're going to achieve with it yeah. is certainly taxing. That's why, again, I'd like to say sort of thanks to the British Science Association, because yeah. their work was able to show us that, yes, this event was successful. So they had, I believe it was sort of roughly about sort of 2,000 people take part in their event, which is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And that's a great way of reaching new people. And so that was some of the evidence we were able to put it on the back of. We also did quite a lot of um, audience testing as well about whether people wanted a sort of virtual event. <laughs> So how much of this was kind of organised in-house? How much did you kind of lean on agencies, support, or mm. how did it kind of come together logistically? So the initial planning was done in-house <laughs> and 
once we decided that that was the route we wanted to go down, we actually had sort of quite a lot of fun in office um, looking at the type of stories we could do, and okay. we had a sort of storyboard generating sessions with some like um, storyboard cubes. I'm not sure if you've used them, where you basically throw yeah, them out and like they have dice, different yeah. pictures on. Yeah, like <laughs> dice, and then you have to make a story that way, and that was quite nice to get the creative juices going. It tells you a lot about people's imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they like the good, the bad, yeah, and the ugly. You look at that, your colleagues thinking, "Wow, where did that come from? How did you get?" Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, and to see if there was something there really for us to actually be able to push forward. We then um, contacted Six to Start. Now, Six to Start aren't an agency, they're a developer. So um, they develop the app itself because actually for the app to be developed, there's the creation of a website, okay. there is the sort of hosting of the app itself, there is the audio recording of the story, there's getting actors involved, there's then creating a script as well that those actors can deliver that not only works with the format but works with a journey type way with it being spoken you can't be too abstract because interestingly we were wanting to be quite abstract with ideas quite out there but interestingly with audio yes you can still sort of have wacky ideas but there still needs to be some rooted progression there because otherwise it's not going to work because it is still in many ways a linear event yeah. it is from zero to 10k sure so yeah, you've got to take them on that storyline, yeah. it's got to be those tangibles. And so we wanted experts, okay. and we needed experts yeah. there <laughs> in order to help us. And they were fantastic. Actually, I'm not sure if you or sort of possibly any listeners know, but they work on Zombies Run. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. yeah this is brilliant. Yeah, which is basically the same premise, but you run away from zombies. Yeah. So absolutely fantastic. If there was ever an imperative to run. Yeah, yeah. To run. I mean, yeah. There were no people in the office said, I'd never normally run, but I would run away from the zombies. So quite a good fitness <laughs> incentive. And yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Like people want to do exercise. Um, I mean, I saw a really great thing earlier about um, kind of the, the new way of getting people involved in charities and being charitable is just to link it to their fitness re regimes. So, yeah. And why not? Like, you know, a lot of us are conscious about that and keeping healthy it's so good and you can benefit charities too brilliant let's make it all work so these kind of things that then can work within their time frames and time parameters but I also agree. push themselves yeah. a bit as well there's something about the flexibility in mm. the virtual event which Vicky touched on earlier Red very much how it can appeal to groups to teams to the young to the old mm. to the busy and actually geographically you could be based anywhere yeah you know oh we had people in, a, in the states taking part we had people sort of Australia, all over the world, which is wonderful as well. It was very much that accessibility that was important. At the same time, being a sight loss charity, the accessibility of this event meant that people could take part on a treadmill as well, and actually for blind people or partially sighted people, giving them that option was quite important because we knew from a number of people that's how they did their exercise. So to be able to deliver something that they could be involved in on their own without the need for a guide runner or without the need for an organized event, actually that was giving them that freedom was quite important too. So again, it was looking further at sort of our audience's needs and desires as well. Yeah, because something like that could be so easily missed, couldn't it? But it's yeah. so vitally important just to make sure that it is accessible, especially to your beneficiaries uh, and the people <laughs> that you're working with that understand you the most. So that's brilliant. So what challenges did you come across through this? 
I think everything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was an idea. I think it's it was such a brand new concept, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, my hands have gone hand. to my head was <laughs> <laughs> thinking about it. At the same time, there were challenges, but working through them was exciting as well because a lot of it, it did feel kind of trailblazing in some way, certainly for our organisation. And certainly for a lot of us working on it, certainly for our trustees as well. And as I said earlier, actually, just being able to explain the event and sort of the premise behind it. And I think for us as well, it was sort of fundraising team saying we're creating an event here that isn't predominantly a fundraiser. Okay, interesting. As well, was certainly something that needed sort of careful management through sort of the whole of the not only senior management but sort of board as well yeah in the end actually being able to root it in sort of good objectives strategic goals yeah that gave us a lot of buy-in but it still was hard to get to that point what is it again i'm just trying to get like so many questions of people like i just don't quite understand when do they hear the audio and yeah, sure. It's, it's kind of nuts and bolts a bit that is quite very challenging at that point, yeah. but it would absolutely have taken a whole organisational buy-in because there are so many elements. You've got your marketing team, your fundraising team, you've got um, yeah, just the, the insight in regards to kind of where you're going to go and who you're going to hit and your audiences. Yeah. So One element that helped as well was us being able to say that actually this isn't a standalone product for us. There's a long-term objective to this, not only of building a pipeline, building sort of a long, engaged system of supporters, and sort of champions of our work through the event, but also the event itself we wanted to have a legacy. So whilst it was only open for three weeks initially, from during National Eye Health Week on to World Sight Day, so okay. end of September to October, what we're going to be doing is reopening it in January Brilliant. And really, then it will be open for all, open forever. Right. And so we're obviously opening it in January. New Year, new yeah. challenge. You mentioned it earlier. It's helping people with their fitness goals, yeah. and that's what we want to use it to do. We got sort of quite a good amount of feedback from our just people who took part in that first three weeks. A number of people who took part were using it as part of training for another event. Okay. So actually, we can help facilitate that whilst getting people interested about our organisation. We're going to be using it now in our supporter journeys for all our big challenge events for London Marathon for Royal yes, Park yeah. and we'll say actually this is a wonderful way if you haven't heard of us even if you have yeah. so sort of just to keep that engagement yeah exactly really connected exactly and sort of we can now because we've got the audio profiles we can drop bits into emails we can drop bits everywhere so actually <laughs> it's it's quite nice for us to be able to sort of utilize this tool as rather than just this one-off event or this annual event yeah it's now something that we can plug into at certain times of the year when we really sort of want to sort of hit upon it or when it's a useful time. Did it do better than you were expecting for its first year? For in terms of entrance, certainly. Yeah. So okay. we initially targeted 500 entrants for our three-week race window. Thankfully, got 929. Wow, smashed it! Absolutely. <laughs> I would have liked 71 more. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been quite nice, just to go. Yeah, doubled. Yeah, doubled. But imagine if it had been just one short. That would have been worse. Yeah, that would have been worse. So better to be 71 short. <laughs> so that was fantastic. That was fantastic, and I think. Not only sort of that amount of engagement, that amount of entrance, but the feedback that we've had from entrants. We had sort of emails coming in, people saying sort of they've learnt a lot more. What's 
really nice for us as well is we, we as an organisation actually fund together with partner charities. So we put in sort of half the fund, they put in half the fund research projects and a number of our charity partners really wanted to be involved with it and okay. really loved the premise and what's really exciting is they'll be taking part when we relaunch as well oh, in excellent. the new year. So it's really helped us sort of strengthen those relationships yeah. too. So that's been quite nice. So it's actually worked for that relationship building piece. It's been really strong. Yeah, you know, internally, cross teams with your supporters, with your beneficiaries, with your partner organisations. It's just win-win-win, isn't it? Yeah, it really so, is. It's I mean, as much as I'm sure it was a lot of work to start with, um, I guess now the ongoing maintenance of this product is fairly low-key now, or are you still kind of growing it, developing it, or are you onto the bigger next thing? Do you know what? Journey to the centre of the eye will now be rather low-key. And that will sit there as a, a as a wonderful event for everyone to be involved with. What we want to do though next year is we don't want to rest on our laurels. Right. And what we'd really like to do is next year get a new story out. We're going through the evaluation. We asked everyone who took part sort of to take part in a sort of survey afterwards, what they what they'd like to hear about. Again, we want to listen to sort of our, our supporters and really sort of pick something that appeals to them. But we want them to continue their adventure with us. And if we're just offering up the same story month after month, year after year, actually they've got nothing to learn more about us or to sort of re-engage. What we'd quite like to do is we'd like to make it more accessible. So what we've learnt I think from year one is we had a number of people say actually it would be lovely if it, I'd be able to do a 5k because 10k is a little bit too far for me. And so we've been in conversations with Six to Start, um, the people who helped us develop it, and they'll actually be able to help create both a 5 and 10k okay. so that they can cut the audio to fit both distance lengths. Oh, brilliant. And so I think in the future, that's what we'd like to do. Again, the whole thing about virtual events are being accessible yeah. and sort of that accessibility to people. And so if we can offer that in any way, that's better for us, really. So that's probably what we'll look to do. Any other tips and advice if there are any charities out there listening to this? I think it's just the most important thing is does it work objectively strategically for your organization as well and I think that's the same for any event it needs to fit sort of your objectives and fit your strategy a lot of the time sort of I've been at organizations where someone will come and go we should do a gala dinner and gala dinner always seems to be the one and a lot of the time as a charity you're not in a position to deliver a gala dinner so I think the important thing is just really making sure it meets those objectives or just having a good understanding of your audience as well and, and the journey you want to take them on. If a virtual event is a route that you want to go down, then definitely look at actually how can the story sort of best speak to your cause or best speak to sort of your supporters. How can you bring them to you but also give them a sense of fun as well because I think working in challenge events, mass participation events, for a lot of the time people do want to challenge but they do want to have fun as well that's important a lot of the time that wants especially if you're looking at that 20 to 35 year old demographic interestingly i was looking at a report that's recently been done by um, just giving and active network it's interesting to see that both mud runs and obstacle course races participation was down this year in those events and fundraising so whilst those were a boom for sort of the last five years the amount of fundraising pages being created for those over the last year has fallen whereas with virtual events I've actually 
Virtual events, and I'm going to quote, virtual events are most popular among 26 to 35 year olds, 60% are in fact under 35. But so far in 2018, we have seen an increase in participation of 1,103%. Wow. And I think. Yeah, so if anyone, I think if anyone needs basically bringing round to the power of virtual events or the possible impact they can have, that incredible increase there shows that their scope. I think it's important to notice though that a lot of people are beginning to sort of add them to their portfolios. Yes. So for that matter, it's like, okay, well, do we want something that's good for our fundraisers, for our supporters to engage with an all year round event? Or do we some want something that's going to cut through the rest of already quite saturated events market? Because it's good to have that event that somebody can do all year round, yeah. that catch-all. Yeah, another option. Brilliant. Another option. But actually, if you're wanting a new trailblazing event, it needs to be quite unique. Or it needs to be something that is imperatively important or imperatively meaningful to your supporter base yeah. as well. And so it really, if you're looking to cap, and so for us, we wanted to capture new audiences. So we wanted to be unique as well as being quite on, on point for our sort of charity messaging as well. Because we knew that if we went out with a totally out there event, actually trying to interweave our charity into yes, we might have got more entrance, possibly, if it sounded sort of loads more fun, but would they stay around? Would we be able to bring, sort of build that sort of connection to our cause or build that longevity of the support? So yeah, we wanted to go down that route and sort of give ourselves the best opportunity to really sort of build those build those foundations for long-term support. And that's what it was about. So that the fundraising for the event, we saw quite sort of minimal uptake of creation of fundraising pages. But interestingly, we did take people on quite a informed supporter journey. And actually the nature of it has told us that the majority of people before they entered hadn't heard of Fight Sight. That's what we wanted. We wanted a totally new audience. And I think we just pulled the figures yesterday. 96% afterwards felt like they knew about Fight for Sight. Also, we got the figures that 52% would want to fundraise for us in the future or be interested. I think there's good to caveat interested in fundraising for us in the future. But for us, that's, that's a great percentage for us. And that's something that we can really look to build upon in the future. sure that we sort of created race packs for people. I think what we didn't have is we had pin badges this year for sort of people who completed it. Yeah. One learning is we'll have a medal pack next okay. time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone prepares a medal to a Everyone loves a medal. But ours was free entry okay. as well, so people opted in for that race pack too. Right. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to give it out unnecessarily, but also you do want to give them that feel good at the end. Oh, tricky, yeah. so many things to through, isn't it? It is it? tricky, yeah, right. it is tricky, but you want them to feel special. Yeah, and of course. Actually, we, we were lucky that we had some amazing people participating who shared their stories. Okay. And being able to share their stories with other people after the event. So we made sure that that was done in a timely manner. These, it meant other people were coming back with their stories. We had then being able to create sort of good relationships with people, people taking part, getting more good case studies. And, and basically that can breed that sort of yeah. 
it becomes a bit of a snowball effect. Yeah, if that's done right. well. Yeah, if done well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you said um, you managed to get a lot of new supporters from it. So how? What was the marketing like? How did you get your this event out and explain it to the real world as to what their opportunity was to get involved? So I, again, I think yeah, just explaining what it was was quite difficult. We took the opportunity to actually record a video and um, we did that to really just try and give a visual representation of what a virtual event is (laughs) because it can be quite hard to explain sort of in words. Um, So what we did was we had somebody running along in headphones, we had a bit of narration playing in the background and we promoted that predominantly through um, social networks and that was really the way we were looking to promote our event and through through mediums basically that are frequented by 20 to 35 years those were our target demographic we made sure that's where we were pitching our marketing Facebook marketing we made sure that sort of we were pushing it on Instagram as well actually young people 20 to 35 definitely using Instagram more now yeah. than Facebook. Yes, we did some initial paid advertising. Yeah. But actually, we wanted it to be organic. We really wanted it to be not us talking about it, but our supporters yeah. talking about it. Because actually, their stories yes, exactly. are better at selling it than ours, <laughs> yeah. in many ways, because actually their fun, their enjoyment, their my eye journey, yeah. that's what's going to... It's more heart-driven, isn't it? Exactly. And it's got more meaning. Yeah, because what was most exciting about this is... Um, um, this event got mentioned in Charity Digital News's one of the best UK charity digital campaigns of the year, so that's exciting. So it was wonderful, it was wonderful, and actually, we, we knew nothing about it. Clearly, clearly, I think that's that's more important. It's not like we pitched it to them, but said, please include this. Um, yeah, we just got a notification, so the press team got a notification that it had been sort of listed. In listed. Paper. It's brilliant. And so for us, actually, that was even better. Yeah. That was even better. So no, absolutely wonderful. Moving forward, we could see a real world event. Who knows? We did the evaluation. A lot of people said that they would like to. So we asked them, what would you like to do sort of after this? The biggest response was, Another virtual. <laughs> so that's helpful for us. Brilliant. That's helpful. But what also came out quite high was another 10k run or a 5k run, but also of a, those of a real world variety. Okay. So that for us was quite interesting as well. And it helps us think about product development for the future. Again, it's also looking at budgets and looking at ROIs and actually could we actually feasibly facilitate something like that? Are we in a position as an organisation to be able to deliver something like that? But it opens up that area of conversation, that air, that sort of discussion for development as well, yeah. which for me as a um, events fundraising manager is a great position to be in. I can go sort of to SMT and go, actually, this is the feedback we've had. Yeah, this is what this, I want to do. Next. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. That's been so interesting. I think we've learned a lot there, and there's um, some really good things that other organisations can learn from. Thank you very yeah. much. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> it really has been. There we go, dear listener. Many thanks to Ed Jackson there. We really appreciated your contribution, Ed. And what a great idea this event was, providing a compelling event that had a very good uptake, while also providing some fascinating learnings for those who took part and linking extremely well to the cause it was raising funds for. 
So it certainly appears that the event was a success in supporter engagement and building a pipeline of supporters for future engagement. Ed has also cited the Just Giving Active Network report, which you can find a link to on our website, charitychat.org.uk. A very interesting report if you have any background or interest in challenge events and the trends that you can see uh, over the last year or so. So many thanks to you, dear listener, for continuing to listen to our podcast. And uh, we hope you really enjoyed the episode and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so please do get in touch through our website, charitychat.org.uk. All of our contact information on there. And we'd love to hear from you if you've got any feedback, ideas or comments. And if you've got any suggestions of new topics that we can base future podcast episodes on. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit for our beautiful website design, charitychat.org.uk, RR Yard Photography for the lovely images on our website, and Forest of Fools who have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.